Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Musician's Mentor Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Travis Mark, and I'm super stoked to say that my guest today is none other than multi-platinum drummer, producer, musical director, and composer, Van Romaine. Many of you may know Van from his current role as musical director with Enrique Iglesias. He has also done the musical director thing with Nina, um, as well as worked with the Steve Morse Band and Blood, Sweat and Tears. We're going to jump straight into it, but as usual, if you're getting anything from these, please leave us a rating or review. Um, and don't forget, we're on TikTok now, where you can see some little clips from these interviews. Our handle is at Musicians Mentor. We'll see you there. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Van Romaine. Van Romaine, welcome to the Musician's Mental Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Travis. And, um, you know, I've got a few things prepared. I know we spoke briefly before the interview, but um, let's jump straight into it. And uh, what I typically do with all of my guests, as weird as it is, is I ask you to do a bit of an introduction as to who Van Romaine is. Tell us a little bit about some of the things you've done, what you may be currently doing, and, you know, just... Just give people a bit of an idea of where you're coming from. So as we go throughout this interview, rather than than them just kind of going, well, I, you know, I think he's coming from this place or, oh, I know he did this with Steve Morse yeah. or whatever it may be, they might have gotcha. a better idea. So tell us yeah. who Van Romaine is. Oh, well, on a musical level, uh, I guess that's where we should talk because yeah. otherwise, you know, I'll be here forever. Wherever um, you want. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, you know, started off as, um, just a young kid that wanted to play drums and then, um, felt like music kind of chose me. And then I started making a little bit of money, um, my 12, 13 ish years, which gave me the idea of, Hmm, you know, you know, maybe I can really make something out of this. Cause I was playing with people five, six, seven years older than me. Um, so then I got more serious in, in high school about it, and I ended up going to University of Miami, studied for three years there, and uh, then decided to leave there early to get to New York, because at the time, we're going back in the 80s now, like 80, 84-ish, uh, the music scene in Manhattan was uh, was second to none, in my opinion, you know, unless as far as the music that I was interested in. So I moved into Manhattan and um lived there for 18 years and that's kind of where you know i start i was still playing in a wedding band up in the area to pay pay bills things like that looking at that as a stepping stone i don't stick my nose up to anything but i knew for myself i didn't want to spend my life playing in a wedding band i i like to either all or all or nothing for me so i gave myself three years in manhattan and i started getting some really good session work and then i got the gig with blood sweat tears which was kind of my first official gig and then i got to the point where i was too busy to play in the wedding band and it's just been kind of off to the races since then i guess uh, after uh during my tour with blood sweat and tears i got asked to join steve morse and um that was a huge game changer and then through that i got more interested in uh, um, the other elements of music. Uh, I've always been into uh, different genres. Like, I love, yeah, I wanted to be a jazz drummer when I was 11, 12. Like, Tony Williams, Elvin Jones were my biggest heroes. But I also loved John Bonham and uh, Phil Rudd and rock and roll meat and potatoes. I really appreciated that. And I also really loved, uh, you know, black American blues and everything that came out of that, whether it's James Brown or Parliament Funkadelic or soul music, basically. And um, so I got a little more involved with digital audio, which led to like some more writing and producing, which is kind of one way or another led me into being a musical director for some artists. And um and yeah, I ended up having getting married in Manhattan. Both of my kids were born in Manhattan and then moved out to New Jersey and where I'm at currently um, in my recording studio portion of my house here. Um, 
And um, but I'm currently on tour uh, on this kind of massive Enrique Iglesias tour that's known as the Trilogy Tour with Pitbull, Enrique, and Ricky Martin. And I happen to have four days off after we just played two sold-out shows in Miami there. And I uh, flew home to have birthday with my kids, and now I'm here talking to you. <laughs> so, Amazing. Yeah, and you've so. actually covered so much ground that I'm going to dig a little deeper into. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of dissect a few things here. Um, I know you briefly mentioned that, like, you know, the drum bug, it hit you quite young. And in my research, I saw that you had kind of started five, six years old, which is incredible in itself. I mean, to be that kind of, you know, I enjoy this and I want to do it at that age. It's really quite something. Um, what I wanted to ask was, you know, once that that curiosity hit and stuff, and, and you briefly touched on it, that you were like, oh, you were playing with older guys and, and you kind of figured you could maybe do something with it. But, you know, once that, once that decision was made to pursue it as a career, possibly a slightly ignorant question to ask because at that age – you know, whether or not you really had an, an idea or a, pl- or a plan, I don't know. But what was your plan? Like, so obviously you, you wanted to be all in and you were playing with all the guys making some money and stuff, but did you have a kind of a, a, a bit of a roadmap? Did you think, well, if I do this, this, and this, I might get to this point? Or was it just a matter of let me just gig and kind of network and see what happens and take it from there? Yeah. Uh, well, back then, and we are talking again about, um, uh... Well, the the other um, huge benefit I had uh, when I was starting to play with older people, and I was was living, I grew up in New Jersey in the suburbs, pretty much close to where I live now. That's amazing. Uh, But um, I'm a 30-minute train ride from the biggest city in the world, and uh, not all musicians, like, harness that. And I understand it can be intimidating. But basically, I... um, yeah, there were these clubs. There was uh, this club called Seventh Avenue South, which is a very famous, tiny little club that every badass studio musician in New York went to after they worked all day in the studio to just jam and have fun. So I would wiggle my way in there at the age of 16, 17, and I saw Steve Gadd, I saw Steve Jordan. I saw Dexter Gordon. I saw Eric Gale, McCoy Tyner. All these people would just show up to hang out it wasn't even an official gig like and uh and then then i would go to all these jazz clubs and see elvin jones so i basically uh that to answer your question in maybe a slightly indirect way that was my golden goose egg like i wanted to do that you know i wanted and that's where it was happening Mm. and it was so easy for me to go and check it out where someone else and this is before the internet, but even someone else that's living in the Midwest that couldn't just hop on a train and go check it out with their girlfriend. And, um, so anyway, um, yeah, that's the thing that was, I basically, my plan was I need to get my face and now it's great with Instagram and Facebook and TikTok, and you can get your face in front of people now. And I, and I think that's a huge benefit. And I, use that to my advantage as well but at that time it was really like you needed to be somewhere if you wanted to do if you were willing to live in a little apartment in new york and hustle your drums in taxi cabs and i'm not talking like a little portable handy kit yeah it was either all all or nothing you're showing up sounding as good as you can every time in manhattan in front of people that are seeing you and that's 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 just i gave myself a timeline, like three years living in Manhattan. <laughs> and, and, and if, uh, so basically my plan was, I don't want to regret not having tried it in my fifties and sixties and reflect back. So I, I can afford to do this now. I was making some money in my wedding band and paying my rent. And, uh, but yeah, I was like, I'm not going to live in this apartment forever. I'm not going to hustle my drums multiple times a day in taxi cabs, and which was sometimes a kind of an aggressive situation in Manhattan back back in the day. And um, 
it was also the crack epidemic back then. It was nuts. And uh, but for some reason, I don't know. For me, that's what I wanted to do. And I don't judge anyone that uh, didn't because I think success is about happiness in the end when you really carve it all down. You know, like, well, what's success for you? Oh, playing at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, but why do you want to play at Madison Square Garden? Oh, it's to do this. And once you ask those questions five, six, seven times, you finally get to the, oh, it's because that would make me happy. Okay, well, then that's success. You know, that's so that's how I look at it. But um, I'm a little hot wired. And so that's how I did it. And uh, um, yeah, that that was my path. So and if it if it didn't pan out, I probably would have. I don't know. Who knows? Going to law school or something like that. But. I think with that kind of drive and determination, you know, listen, it's the music industry. And, and obviously, sometimes luck can play more of a part than we realize, you know. But, yeah, I'm a big believer in the harder you work, the more lucky you, you become. And But I think with that kind of drive and determination, dude, I mean, even if you didn't land up in the position you're in, you still would have been doing something great within that vocation. It's 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 a, it's a must well, be. I would hope so. I mean, I think also teaching is a huge honor, uh, as long as you think that way. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't been blessed to actually do that because I'm uh, still too busy uh, <laughs> making records and and doing tours. Occasionally, I do a drum clinic. I used to do a lot more of that, um, and that was a great way to uh, feel like I'm giving back and share with you know, up and coming people. But, um, yeah, I just, uh, I think it's important to go with what you're passionate about. And I guess I, overall, the most important thing for me is to not necessarily, um, go, I want to be moved to New York and be famous and blah, 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 or, the main thing was like, I'm so passionate about music and I want to be able to share that with people. And I, if I can make a living doing that, that would be great. So how do I do that? You know? And, and at the time it was either New York, LA, maybe London, but I didn't have connections there. Um, so, uh, and New York's a lot different now. Like the scenes, just the change, it's changed so much with the downloading thing. And I don't complain about any of that because that's that's like in every business. I, I know a lot of people like, oh, you know, there's no money in the music business. Yes, there is. It's just it's changed where it is. So I used to do a lot more records. I do less records now. I do a lot more tours. But now I got a studio in my house. So now now it's kind of half and half. And, uh, you know, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to download some files from a friend of mine in Vegas and work on two tracks for him and. And I'm still officially on tour with Enrique Glazes. You know, we played two nights ago in Miami, and now we're playing in Dallas on Thursday. So, uh, um, so you know, uh, just something that that's come up with a few of my previous guests is, you know, you mentioned location, and obviously the invent of the internet, how you can put your face in front of people. Yeah. Now, so some of the guys I talk to and. It depends on the situation of what you're trying to achieve, of course. But some of the guys I talk to say that location is so important. And I agree, it, it, it is. You know, a musical city will potentially give you more opportunities. But how and, – and I want to talk about the musical director stuff a little bit later on. So I don't want to delve that much into it. But with the invent of the internet and YouTube and Instagram, you know, you see these incredible clips of these people playing. Would you – as a musical director, ever potentially hire somebody based on an internet clip? All day long, I would do that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, my whole process now is I, I, I talk to a few other MDs mm-hmm. that I trust and we're like-minded. And I get some names. And, I, and before I even reach out to anyone, I look, I look for their clips of them playing, of them talking, so I can kind of get to know. And sometimes right off the bat, and I'm not judging any of these individuals, I just know and I've I've learned the kind of people that resonate with the specific artists that I'm hiring, the kind of people that resonate with them, because it's not just about the musicianship. 
Um, it's also about um, how they are as, as people and how they're going to work together. So it's very helpful to go through and really look through their Instagrams and YouTubes and Facebooks and TikToks and just see, try to get the biggest feel I can because I feel I can get, well, history has proven that I can get pretty close to knowing who they are there enough to get to the point of talking to them and then video chatting with them and then we're going to get together eventually if it if all that stuff is in, in alignment and it feels great and mus musician wise it feels great then I'm, if they're not in new york or wherever and we're gonna i'm gonna fly them and we're gonna work together see how that feels mm -hmm. and also a lot of things i do is have them if we can't get together i have them shoot videos and they reshoot it because i know like what Enrique likes. Okay. But so I'm not getting him to reshoot it just to, to make him jump through hoops. Uh, I know what he's going to like and what he's not going to like. But at the same time, it gives me a chance to work with them to see if they get defensive about, oh, I'm yeah. like, no, no, like, brother, I'm trying to help you. Yeah. Like, you need to maybe even change your shirt, maybe not talk about this and just play a little more like that and phrase a little and and that gives us an opportunity to actually work together yeah. and if the people tend to be man thank you so much you know because there are people in the band now that's how they got the gig that's and they're incredible. like nah he well he knows i mean how couldn't i know at this point i've been working with enrique for since 2001 and i've been in charge of hiring his people since i don't know 2010 wow. something like that and i've made a lot of mistakes <laughs> but you, 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 know, you know, that's but that's, you learn you learn from it, exactly. and you know, and Rick is gracious enough to go. Well, yeah, that didn't work out, did it? I'm like, you know, note taken. So, yeah. um, but that's kind of how that. Yeah, I absolutely use the internet as a tool to save time, and and uh, and money and everything. Yeah, but eventually, in the end, they're going to be here in my studio, or I'm going to meet them in LA, and and we're gonna work in real time to make sure that the fit is is on point and and then we're, then we're good to go you know it's incredible yeah. yeah so you know um you you eventually carve out quite the reputation you know I'm, I'm going back now and uh you you become really one of the busiest drummers around um after decades of doing this talk to me a little bit about staying power or longevity if you will and, you know, with the level you're at, what potential advice could or would you offer others on trying to maintain a position once they're in that position? Um, for me, uh, I'm like a constant student. I'm, I'm, I'm so I'm for that reason, I feel like I'm constantly learning and I try to early on in my life when I started studying more with some teachers i realized not all of them were like meant to teach and and <laughs> some of them some of them were like I, I owe my life to them you know most of them um but anyway in some of those cases i i realized that uh that that initial love and connection with music I felt as, as a, a child was almost a spiritual thing, right? And and I got to the point of like, I'm not letting anyone take that. Like, that's my promise to myself and my God or whoever that is that no one takes that from me. No teacher ever takes it. Because I'd seen people, like teachers really get down on students in front of other students. And, and, and I saw them actually give some of those students like a negative association to playing music and i'm like that's not, that's not happening to me so for some reason i was able to but maybe put some sort of filter going i'm just going to take the good i'm going to forget the bad i'm not going to dwell on the fact that maybe some teacher was reprimanding me and perhaps it has something to do with his history and i'm just not going to even i'm just going to stay focus on the positive and learn but i think overall i uh i love a lot of different genres i try to not judge any music i only 
try to get an emotional connection to it. So I've seen a lot of uh, musicians that are a little older and they they get all hung up on, you know, Justin Bieber peed in a pool somewhere. I'm like, I don't care. I'm, I'm only listening to that song and how it how I can relate to it and how it makes me feel. I haven't worked with Justin Bieber. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> but my point is I really work hard uh, at just taking the high road with all that stuff and just keeping my connection to music. And I think it enables me to constantly grow and just be open and not carry the baggage of all these uh, potential negativity that doesn't really help anyone in the end, you know? So that's how I try to think of it. And then there's the business of music, which is obviously really important for most of us, because if we're not making money playing music to support ourselves, it's going to turn into our hobby or second career. And there's nothing wrong with that. If Again, as long as someone's happy. Um, I haven't had to do that ever since, you know, since I was a kid. I've had a couple little jobs in high school and things like that. Um, but that's ever changing. The record industry, if that's even a thing anymore, has is ever changing. And it's so I have chose to try to just roll with the changes and maybe even be inspired by them. And, and someone like Enrique, like he's such a role model in that way, the way he constantly morphing and he's had an incredibly long career incredibly because of long. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I understand people's grievances with maybe Spotify because they're not paying artists enough. Um, and I don't want to speak for Enrique in particular, but I've noticed like he's, he's released singles directly to Spotify first to get their support and drive the fan base up, which sells more tickets. So he's like, well, it does translate to money. It might just not be for streaming streams. You know, he's, he's using the platform to get more fans as opposed to like, you know, oh no, I'm not making enough money from it. But I do understand that um, concern and I hope <laughs> I hope they can fix that because we'd all do better, you know, if we were all doing better with uh, the streaming services for sure. Of course. But I think, yeah. you know, um, and attest to your character is exactly what you said, you know, trying to almost make the negative a positive. It's It's a great way to look at it, you know. Yeah, that might even be a corny phrase at this point, but... It's true, though. I, I mean, I'm on tour with uh, Pitbull's also headlining. I'm not in his band, but he's always been a huge, uh, almost like a Tony Robbins character in that way, where he's using those messages, and, and he grew up with a very rough wow. childhood. You know? yeah. But he's uh, he brings positivity and radiates it, and... Um, yeah, I think uh, in life we can, uh, without getting too philosophical, you know, we can focus on we can focus on the negativity, but we can also focus on the positivity. And I, you know, I spend my days tr- working on being uh, open and learning and being positive and the blessings that have come my way. Even though I'm not a religious person, but I'm very spiritual about it. So yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's not something I was going to ask you about, but just because you mentioned teachers there for a second, um, did you study formally or, or just like private tuition with a couple guys or did you go to like a I college? Did. I did. Yeah. When I wanted my first real drum set at age eight, my uh, parents were like, cool, but you got to take lessons. So I went in September at the age of eight to study with this guy by the name of Carl Wolf in this tiny little music shop in Bloomfield, New Jersey. <laughs> no one would know that town. Um, but, um, and I remember telling them, hey, uh, I'm just uh, going to be here till December till I get the drum kit and then I'm I'm going to bounce. So, you know, <laughs> awesome. don't get too attached here. You know, anyway, I studied with the guy for six years and he made, um, he made drumming and rudiments and sight reading fun somehow. And he was an incredible drummer, but it was all on a practice pad, no drums. Oh, wow. And I think he's the real reason that, um, I mean, I think I 
might have a substantial amount of natural ability, but he's the one that really made it fun and made me stick with it. And he's taught Chuck Burgey, who's Billy Joel's drummer now, and taught some other drummers. And then, um, yeah, uh, after high school, I went to University of Miami, and I studied mostly with the head of the drum department there, Steve Rucker, um, who, oddly enough, because obviously I'm a multi-genre guy, so I'm listening to Tony Williams and Elvin Jones, but I also am looking for that that Steve Ferroni, Steve Jordan, greasy backbeat Back too. Beat and and yeah. Steve's the one that really um, helped me a lot with that. And I'm still very close with him. Amazing. And um, the last major teacher who really, I felt kind of put the cherry on the top of the cake that I'm, I'm always working on the cake, but was Gary Chester. Oh yeah. I know who Out he is. Of, you know, the new breed. And yep. uh, that was, I don't, if I just looked at his book and didn't study with him in person, I'm not sure I'm the kind of personality who would go, oh yeah, I'm going to make it through all these systems. But he made me realize uh, his whole philosophy was opening your ears more so you can hear, you can listen to the musicians that you're playing with. And maybe the best example that I can think of is the first time anyone plays in a recording studio. I don't care what instrument. You do the take and you're playing live with your guys or girls or and oh, you felt really good. And you're like, all right, let's go back in the control room and listen. So now you're listening with 100 percent of your listening brain power. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm the worst drummer in the world, you know. So so point being, when you're playing, you have to use a certain amount of your brain energy to pull off what you're playing regardless of the instrument. So Gary's systems were the philosophy behind it was having you play these ridiculous things like each limb playing something different. And then you're singing the click track and then you're sight reading with the fourth limb and, and it keeps changing. And then you do it lefty and it seems crazy, but it actually opens up your mind to be able to just, play like straight grooves, you know, where I can really, like with Enrique, I can hear, every, as long as my monitor mix is good, I can really hear everyone's pitch, like if they're rushing certain parts or not, and in general, it's band's incredible, but we're, you know, we're always trying to improve it. Of course. You know, in, in, in uh, creative ways, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, Gary Chester was the one that in studying his systems, it's, uh, just a, a priceless tool that's enabled me to uh, play with a click better, to play with tracks better, which is becoming ever more popular. And, uh, yeah. Man, I've never met anybody who actually studied with him, so that's incredible. I mean, I'm a big fan of that book. Yeah. I remember delving into that in my teens and just also mind-blown thinking that, you go from thinking, oh, yeah, I can do stuff pretty cool to trying some of those systems and going, wait, like every limb doesn't work how it's supposed to. It was it was mind-blowing, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, let's get into uh, the, the the musical director position, you know. Um, can you talk us through your basic responsibilities in that position? I know it would differ for, for different people based on their bands, but yours with Enrique. Um, you know, and also – could you potentially include what you would consider is the hardest part about holding that position? Um, well, it, it, yeah, it does include, uh, a lot of different things. Uh, mostly for me on this tour presently, it's, um, so my title would be band leader, uh, slash musical director, um, and in Enrique's world, um, one of the producers that produced the, all Enrique's last big hits uh, is also on the road with us. So when we're when he's out, it's great that he's out. Everyone respects him. His name is Carlos Bacar, and he's uh, like a musical genius, and he really gets pop music. But the other huge advantage he has is he can listen what what's happening out of the speakers. I can't. 
You know what I mean? So musically, um, um, and because he's really Enrique's right-hand man musically, like he's produced most of the records, all of the vocals on pretty much every record he's ever done. So if he has a suggestion, I'm listening and we're all listening. So he's kind of driving the bus musically, but everyone has is welcome to present their ideas musically. So, um, but over time I've, yeah, just helped with arrangements usually with him or with other people. The main thing is uh, um, hiring who's going to be in the band and trying to handle, um, trying to handle the issues are very small because of the process I talked about earlier of vetting. I really take my sweet time with that. Unless I just don't have time to take my sweet time. (laughs) And then like, if it hasn't happened in like, uh, 10 years, but there's been a thing like somebody had a big falling out and I'm like, okay, we need to fix this. We need to get new blood here right now. But for the most part, it's a family. And I, um, uh, so I'm hiring people on, managing issues with people if they're and we just have discussions about um staging and performance um on this tour i even i just do things like what what does the tour need i'm like okay we need a stylist so i found a stylist i interviewed a few (laughs) uh i wear t-shirts personally and yankees hats so I'm no uh, stylist myself. Look badass, man. <laughs> um, but I can, um, and I hired a choreographer who is incredible, but I was, you know, interviewed a bunch on Zoom and recorded some of them so Enrique could see the conversations. All this stuff is transparent. I'm like, I'm going to talk to you. We're going to record the Zoom. And so I basically do, uh, Carlos and I get together and I see what he needs help with and Usually he's just working on the musical ideas and then I'm helping with some of that and then I'm helping with whatever else I can. So, um, but the, and the musical director thing from my experience always started, I got asked to do, uh, I think the first time I was really asked to do it was with Bernie Worrell. He's from Parliament Funkadelic keyboard player. And I did a couple tours with him in Japan and Europe and, uh, Bernie has a different way of communicating, but he's like, man, I want you to be my lieutenant. And I was like, uh, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> and uh, a lot of people, they 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 want to keep the family, so to speak, of the band. And then they find someone within that family who's best qualified to kind of uh, uh, manage the situation. You know, I don't like the word leader. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> But it is kind of that. Um, and so I did it with Bernie, and then I started touring with Nana, 99 Luff Balloons fame. She was kind of getting back into music after being a mother, and I watched her become like arena act all over again, very successful. But my second tour there, she asked me to be the musical director, which was hilarious because I'm like, I don't speak German. I live in New York. Uh, you live in Berlin. All the shows are in Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and Holland. And but she trusted me with that. She goes, "No, you're the, you're the man for it. And um, if you need to hire people from New York or LA, just do it." And uh, and through the success of that, I think uh, Enrique was in a situation where he needed a new MD, and I was the best option out of that eight people. And uh, but again, he knew I could. Uh, I'd do it. It, I used the help of other people, almost like an entrepreneur would. You know, I'm not like, uh, yeah, it's my way or the highway. Uh, it's I want to find people that also have great ideas for the show, and we, we just use the best idea. You know, yeah. so yeah. And again, possibly a, an ignorant question to ask, but is there anything that musicians in touring situations who might aspire to become a musical director within that situation can try and do yeah, let me put it in a more hypothetical situation let's say uh, a drummer 
is in a situation, they're in a band that's on tour, there's already a musical director, they, that position might never come up. So, so you mm-hmm. know, but they might personally just feel like that would be something they would be good at. Is there anything you feel characteristic-wise that they could do that might eventually lead them to that position, whether it's in that band or another? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I've never really thought about it. Um, like, I know what's worked for me, and I think the reason I got asked initially, okay, I know the reason why I was asked initially is because I was the most... Uh, combination of things i would say i i i'm a firm believer in like being successful in anything involves a person adding more value to someone else's um in this case somebody's touring life like the artist adding more value than other people have i'm not thinking in a competitive way i'm just uh if someone's hiring me to work with them it's almost be the same relationship between like Gretsch drums wanting me to endorse their drums. Like I'm going to deliver on that so hard. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I wasn't holding up my end of that because it's, I'm complimented so much by it. So if someone's asking me when Bernie asked me, I, yeah, I kept on, I took it very seriously. And, uh, but I think, the main thing is how you're dealing with people and not getting. Um... The other thing I realized pretty early is if someone's name is on the marquee and they're selling 10, 15, 20,000 tickets, that's a little bit of pressure. <laughs> so they're going to be uh, uh, losing their shit, so to speak, every now and then. And <laughs> and my job is to be like, I'm listening to you. I'm not joining you in the. I'm like, I got you, you know, like, so that's, that's probably the biggest part. And then understanding, really understanding and caring about the music in a, in a selfless way, um, which would apply to any musician being successful, (laughs) being an MD or not being an MD. I really, if me playing egg shaker is the thing that makes the, is the right thing for me to do. That's what I'm doing. I'm very egoless with, you know, my drumming and, uh, I want to serve the music with it, even if it involves not playing. (laughs) And, uh, so anyway, I, I don't know if any of that makes sense, but it's basically, um, being emotionally stable and, and somebody that people can rely on, you know, in, because it's, um, it's it's a lot of pressure for these people. And Nana was a real tricky one, too, because she's uh, um, just an amazing performer. And then the success came back. We were playing in front of 500, 1,000 people. And we did another record that went triple platinum. She won Artist of the Year again, all this thing. And it was like we went from that to like arenas with these guest artists with our orchestra (laughs) and, and she's a mother with four kids. And, um, so yeah, I was kind of her rock of Gibraltar with the music part of it. And she's got a husband, very supportive. So that's kind of the, the way I, the way I see it from my experience with it so far. Yeah. You know? And, and what about, you know, hiring musicians, I don't want to talk about the musical aspect. I feel you've covered enough of that already, you know, um, Mm -hmm. but characteristic wise or attribute wise of things that might help people actually stay on a tour. They've got the chops, they, they're great musicians, but maybe, Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe they're not so stable or something. You know, I, I, I ask more out of interest because I remember talking to, um, Donovan Hepburn from, from Take That, he was the musical director for Take mm-hmm. That, that pop band from Britain. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I interviewed him like 10 years ago and I remember him saying, we were talking about the the MD thing and, and he said something, and it always stuck with me, something he said was, um, you can't be on a tour bus if your personal hygiene isn't a thing. And, and it was something that like, you know, it's, it's obviously a no brainer. It was a no brainer, but, but, but like, 
it was something that I, I kind of thought, man, I bet you musicians take a drummer. A drummer's back then reading Modern Drummer magazine or going on the website of choice and That's reading about, oh, you know, I got a, I practiced 14 hours a day and uh, I learned all my rudiments backwards and, and all this. But no one ever talks about stuff like that. And I was like, <laughs> wow. It, it's, I got the impression that someone on the tour bus was about to lose a gig because they were maybe not so – yeah, kosher. But I could be wrong. But but so characteristic well, wise, you know what what would totally seal the deal for a musician for you? That's funny. Uh, that's funny. That's uh, well. I mean, that's a concern too. Is the uh, hygiene? Um, yeah, it's really the whole picture. Um, it's the whole picture. It's, uh, musicians that are are starting with the music, like they have enough command over their instrument where they're adaptable. And they're, um, they, they want to be part of the bigger picture um, of the music. They want to be part of a team that makes it uh, really powerful for the audience. And if you have, I mean, I guess we all know, you know, you've got four great, great band members playing in sync, and then you get one person even playing tambourine that's kind of fucking around. Everyone's like, Whoa, we like you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so people that yeah just are adaptable and they take uh, suggestions well. They also have suggestions and they know when to bring the suggestions up because sometimes if you come in too early in the game and you guys kind of proven yourself, it's it can be like okay, too many too many chefs in the kitchen situation so that's just a personal thing i would say where you either have a radar for that stuff or you don't you know but i had a guy come in and audition for guitar and he while we were taking a break he went around and played everyone's instruments without asking them um and we all know what happened there um really talented guy and I've actually gotten to know him. He's actually a pretty cool guy, too. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're, our work is done here, you know. Yeah. So, um, but the other thing, yeah, just about being, um, I know a lot of musicians say this, but being someone that people like to spend time with, um, and how do, you, how do you practice that? So, yeah. <laughs> but just, so I guess the only way is just being cognizant of, Reading the room, you know, whether it's a tour bus and everyone's got different situations with their tour. Like this, Enrique thinks a big budget thing. We have a tour bus, but we also have hotels every day. So it's bus ride. We get to the hotel. We're in a. Okay, so a lot of people, if they get a bus, they want to keep their overhead down. They're living on the bus. Yeah. And then they occasionally will get a hotel room for a shower, but often they're using like showers at the venue. And um, I've done some of those kind of things, but uh, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to put a finger on it, but basically someone that's looking at the whole picture and how can I fit into this and this team of people and, and support it and, and be a uh, contribute to the final product of having great shows. Um, even if it involves not saying anything or speaking up at certain points. So that's, uh, yeah, that's a hard thing to put your finger on. Um, but yeah, in some cases I've seen people like being a little boasty about things online. I was like, ah, it doesn't feel like the right fit, you know? So, um, I mean, we're all boasty. We're all posting and trying to get people seeing us and I do I'm doing it all the time because <laughs> I want people to see me I still work with other people and I'm inspired to work with new people and and that's part of my outreach too and uh so I get all that um but um yeah that's uh another thing that's really important that not a lot of people talk about um and I, I used to do this as well, which was I don't take it as a good thing is if I'm talk if I get to the point where I'm talking to someone about hiring them, I don't want them to I don't want the money thing to be like the first couple of questions that they ask. Um, and 
I consider myself a businessman. And I am absolutely going to talk about money with these people. But um, I just feel as far as reading the room, you, I want to hear I want to hear how excited someone is about the gig. And if they're if they have some some smarts about them, they go. It's a huge tour. Uh, these guys are uh, on a tour bus. They're selling out. So obviously there's money involved. So let's have that conversation once I get my foot in the door creatively, if if I'm the right person. So I think that's a really important approach for MDs. If I feel like someone's like, well, first, you know, I'm not going to waste any of my time unless I know it pays a certain amount of money. Yeah. Like I'm already on to the next person. Yeah, that makes sense. But I do believe in musicians standing up for their money. Yeah. That's all. Could be a whole nother podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Because that's a make or break thing for people. It re- it's so important. And I've never bought into the starving artist mentality. No one should. I, I used to have a friend, he would say, um, you know, I would do gigs with him. And, and, and some, sometimes people would like, he was, he was phenomenal. And people would always say to him, man, I can't believe the way you play after our gigs and stuff. And when we would pack or load up at the end of the night, he would always go, hey, he was from Chicago. Hey, gratitude don't pay my bills. <laughs> gratitude don't pay my oh. bills, and he's right. You know, I mean, we were we were yeah. lucky. We were in a band that was making money, but but it was he, that was always his thing. You know, every every time. Um, yeah. Then let's talk a little bit about touring. Um, what are some of your essential touring survival tips, if you will? Whether that's from a personal health or mm-hmm. mental space, or whether it's got to do with gear, whatever you feel. Is something you'd like to share, please? Um, I guess overall, aside from a lot of the things we talked about already with, um, you know, making sure I know the music and, and my chops are up and all that stuff. I'm, I'm a big uh, fitness person and I, similar to music, I'm constantly changing and morphing what that is. I'm 61 now and I'm... Uh, you know, so I'm realizing, okay, I need to, I need to get some yoga going in my life aside from these, uh, uh, the workouts that I do. But I'm, uh, yeah, I, I pretty much wake up every day, whether I'm on tour or not on tour, and move somehow. And in the summer, I'm doing triathlons typically. I know that's a little extreme, but um, um, I do a mixture of cardio and listening to things and you know some weights depending on how my body's feeling and to me that's a huge one of the biggest gifts of my life um and it absolutely just fuels everything else in my life from how i am with my family for how i how i feel on the drums and uh how how it keeps me inspired with my energy um to be open to to new new music and new software that I'm developing, you know, yeah. not developing but using, and um, yeah, that's uh, a huge thing for me. And I'm uh, I don't preach about food or diet or anything, but I've been in a, a pescatarian for since 2002. Wow. Um, I I don't. You know, I, I cooked steaks last night for a bunch of people we had here. I, I just found that my body works better without meat. Yeah. yeah. Fish seems to be okay. Eggs seem to be okay. I again, I don't preach about it, but I, I, uh, I put much more thought starting in my late twenties, early thirties about what I'm putting in. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot so, of sense. But I can also eat an entire pizza. Because I feel like every once in a while, like, yep, yeah, I'm doing this. You know, I'm gonna have a milkshake afterwards. Amazing. Because I I can't deprive myself of these things from time to time. You know. Uh, but ninety eight percent of the time, I'm eating a really healthy, good food that um, that helps me with everything else. So. And that's a good segue to. Um... My, my next question, which, you know, I know briefly uh, before the interview we spoke and you mentioned physiotherapists and I was saying to you, oh man, mm-hmm. that's something we could talk about because I know 
with drummers in particular, you, your joints, depending on the person, of course, um, can take quite mm-hmm. a beating. I know drummers struggle with shoulders, knees, some guys yeah. with wrists and elbows, a lot of guys with backs. Um, you know, uh, what's, again, you, you possibly just touched on it, but but what um, could you potentially offer guys who are struggling physically uh, in, in that position on doing, would you recommend going to physios? Have you have you got experience with chiropractors? Do you believe in either or one versus the other? Yeah. You know, I've had mixed results from chiropractors. I had, uh, and I'm assuming you're talking about the physicality of drumming. Totally right. Okay, so I, I had um, a ways back. I had really bad tennis elbow from drumming. You know, and um, I went to a. Uh, a physical therapist that practiced Feldenkrais, which is like a different version of the Alexander technique, which turns out isn't that popular. <laughs> uh, but um, basically what the philosophy behind that is to, uh, her name, the first physical therapist, uh, Franja Zins, she, she quickly found out it was uh, what I'm not doing with the flexibility in my larger back muscles when I was playing. And, uh, so basically, uh, she started working on, uh, all the things that support like, so the reason I got the tendonitis is because my shoulder on the left side, I was keeping kind of stiff and I wasn't flexible with my, um, uh, shoulder blade in the back. And that was my whole problem. So as soon as she proved that that was my problem, the stress of the tendonitis went away because it's not just the stress of having a tendonitis, but okay, not supporting your family, not being able to be creative, and then not knowing what's going to make it come back, you know? So, but once I realized that's what it was, I've never had that problem. Um, so that, that really helped me. And I'm so glad I didn't do cortisone or, um, um, surgery i've known so many people they get surgery on their hands and i've as many if anyone reaches out to me about it i send them to frania zins she's further upstate in near albany now but she used to be in manhattan um so she's kind of my guru in that regard but i i'm going to someone in network now because i have a, a a new injury i basically disconnected uh i fell jogging with uh with my one of my dogs and the supraspinatus tendon came completely off my shoulder. <laughs> and this was like four months ago. So I thought it would heal itself. I didn't realize what happened. Um, but she's, I've actually, I got a shot with stem cells. I'm going off on a tangent here, but I've been able to play the Enrique tour. Fine. It's fine. I mean, that's you know? incredible. <laughs> I got to look for a window to reattach it. So, yeah. uh, for the long term, but this uh, a physical therapist, you call it physio, same yeah, thing. Yeah, physio, same um, thing. Yeah, she actually. Uh, I haven't been to a physical therapist in a while because I haven't had to. But she actually, it seems like the physical therapist now they're using some of these techniques now, as opposed to just treating the one problem area. It's all the all the areas in your body that support that. And making that strong, making those parts strong and flexible. So, uh, yeah, I'm home for a few days and I go in and just pop in to see her. And um, But, yeah, I'm, I'm actually playing 100% fine. I had to move the right side of my drum set down a little bit so I can keep my elbow. <laughs> but that's from an injury. That's not from, like, a drum injury. Yeah. Well, yeah. dude, I... Uh, uh, Good luck with that, man. That that sounds serious. You know? It's going to come together, and I got people that are I trust that are motivated to get it fixed, and uh, got some holes in my schedule where I can do that. Amazing. So, yeah, Van, I have one last question for you. Yeah, um, possibly a little loaded because it's so just boom. But um, mm-hmm. what do you think has been the best piece of advice you've ever received in regards to your musical career? Um, I guess it's a really short one, you know, it just, and it goes back to what we talked about earlier, which is 
moving to New York and getting in front of people. Yeah. Um, I, I had already uh, had the drive to really, and, and really came from passion from music and drumming to really work hard on my craft and to make it adaptable. And uh, so I felt like I always had that in my pocket and I still do, <laughs> you know, I still work on stuff. Um, but it was getting in front of people. And, um, and even if uh, just harnessing the, for, for a lot of people and for myself too, you know, it's getting out of your comfort zone can be a very fearful thing, you know, and um uh, man, the more you can just do it, <laughs> the better off anyone's going to be because there's all these other things we haven't tapped into. And uh, and for me, you know, I mean, for me, it might have been easier moving into New York because I got to know the city a little bit. And uh, uh, but moving in there and really going for it was, you know, it's like, OK, this is intense, but um, it's how everything paid off for me. And basically that's changed now as we just talked about you can get in front of people on the computer and that's a beautiful thing i really i'm so grateful for it um um but yeah i mean sometimes you get out of your comfort zone sometimes that comfort zone's too far and it takes people away from their happiness so i understand that but um uh but that that's the best piece of advice i ever got was uh was moved to was moved to new york but you know if i was the same position now i i don't know if it would be new york <laughs> but it would be somewhere you know where, where i could play music in front of people that are coming to see talent in in the most condensed areas where movers and shakers are and it ain't in the middle of the country. <laughs> it's not, it's not New Jersey here, even though Asbury park is turning into a thing now, which is exciting. Cool. Um, yeah, it is. And, um, that, that's the best advice that was given to me. That's, that's paid off yeah. in the long run. And I've also learned from other people what not to do, you know, like, um, like, giving up your musical career to make uh, someone happy so you could marry her. That That's never happened to me. Yeah. But it happened to a few people that I really are incredibly musicians. And what I found out was, well, then she stopped respecting him because he did that. And then he also lost his career and his, and the woman he loved. So uh, I, I think it's really... Uh, at the expense of preaching here, it's important to uh, take care of yourself and be truly happy with what you're blessed to do. And that attracts the right people in itself, even if it's not that person you're with today. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I, I couldn't so. agree more. And, and uh, the, the, you know, in conclusion, the, the, the overall theme of just, staying true to yourself and trying to find happiness is, is, yes. is just, it's inspiring stuff. Yes. You know? And if you're not true to yourself, um, other, you're not going to find people that are, that are aligned in that way. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and you end up chasing your tail. So it's better to just, uh, yeah, stick it out and go, no, I, this is what I was meant to do. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and then good things all fall in place and, uh, you know, of, uh, I continue to see the gifts of that in my life with uh, celebrating my beautiful kids' birthdays yesterday Congratulations. here with a bunch of people. And uh, that all happened for those reasons. And, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and I'd like to pass that on to them and anyone else that, you know, sees that kind of magic and how it works. So that's incredible. But, well, then we're going to end the. Thank you so much for your time, dude. Truly appreciate it. Thank it's you been, for having me. It's been me, inspiring. Travis. You know, I, I love. I just love hearing success stories. I'm a big fan, and and it's I always. It's like it's possibly uh, from a slightly spiteful point too, because it kind of motivates me 
and I'm I'm a naturally driven guy anyway, but it motivates mm-hmm. me and you'll just you've just made my day because while I've got a few things to do, I know I know that I can go do a few other things today. So thank you. <laughs> Good. I appreciate well, it. I'm glad I'm glad we made the time. I appreciate you doing this with me. So Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. I'll put all of your links in the show notes. And uh, hey, man, if you're uh, ever down in New Orleans, give me a call. We'll we'll go get some gumbo or something. I'll hit you up for sure. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much, Travis. Peace. Sweet. There we have it. As usual, I'd like to thank Van for his time. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for your time. I know I said it at the top of the show, but please do leave us a rating or review on your preferred streaming platform. It helps us a lot, and I truly appreciate it. My name is Travis Mark. I will see you in a couple weeks. Until then, check out the website. Check out Van's website in the show notes. Keep pushing. Peace.